bless you, dear Father. Thank you for another great week and your presence with your word. We thank you, God. Hallelujah. <coughs> Good evening, beloved. How are you? I believe that you are all well and blessed. Today, we commence another week in glory in the Word. I think it's important we reiterate the purpose for why we are engaging in this camp meeting. The Lord spoke to us in 2021 to broadcast His Word to His people. And this CAP meeting is in response to that instruction that the Lord has given us. And I'm sure uh, as you participate in the morning sessions with Pastor Raphael and in the live sessions, you will notice that the central theme or communication is about the fulfillment of God's word. So every message that we are teaching and communicating to God's people has to do with plugging in the system of the way of the Lord. And it is because primarily what the Lord has instructed us for 2022. And as I've said to you earlier on that this year will be or is the year of prosperity and destruction. The Lord intends to prosper his people. Um, so the slower my Monitor there, please. Uh, take it up a bit. Yeah, thank you. So we have to prepare adequately the people of God and help them align their lives to operate in consistency to what the Spirit is doing. So that's why we 
teach what we teach so that the word of God can be fulfilled in our lives. Remember, he said that my people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. So adequate knowledge. You know, Solomon said, by knowledge, the just shall be delivered by knowledge. So the lack of knowledge destroys, but adequate, sufficient knowledge produces deliverance. So the knowledge of God's word that we are communicating with you is paramount. Is paramount. So just as the Lord Jesus said to us, present my word to my people. This is what we're doing. We're not preaching our opinions, not preaching what we think or assumptions, but truths, revelations given us by the Spirit of God for the purpose of bringing their children or his children into their inheritance. So, whatever instructions, messages that come to you throughout these camp meeting, beloved, do yourself a favor. Practice what we teach you. Because the word we teach you is very practical. Heed the instructions that are given to you. And lastly, believe. Believe. This is so important because if you are participating in these sessions but you don't believe it will make no difference in your life faith is the platform that allows for the reality of god's word to manifest in your life so believe believe you know if you have any doubts let the scriptures convince you because everything we teach you has its basis in the word of god we are christians we answer the name of jesus we belong in his kingdom therefore our way of functioning is different from any other system presented in the world. So it's important that we understand that and posture ourselves to follow accordingly. If we want God's results in our lives, we must be willing to do things God's ways. Hallelujah. So we're going to have another exciting week uh, the spirit of god is continuing to pour to pour his light upon our lives and we are you know like a sponge soaking in what the spirit of god 
is ministering and imparting to us. I told you that the Holy Ghost said to me that as we move into the third week, we're going to see signs and miracles of a financial material nature. You know, when we, when we first began, we saw uh, the workings and manifestations of the Spirit of God in, in healings and in, in, in restorations of the body and, and other, other things. But what we're going to see going forward from week three is manifestations, clear, notable manifestations of material signs, miracles that the Spirit of God will be doing. Because the Lord said to us, all we have to do is teach and He will do the rest. And these things that He is going to do is part of the rest that He said He was going to do. So we are, we are expecting, we are expecting that this week the Spirit of God is moving in our lives in a very, very special way because the anointing is present to make that a reality. Hallelujah. Glory to God. So last week, Friday, we were discussing uh, keys or the key to the miraculous and manifesting His glory. And I thought that it is um, right that we begin a new week uh, with, with a new subject line. The road to prosperity. Hallelujah. You know, this is a, a revelation I received uh, in the weekend while I was walking into my study to do some things there. And the Spirit of God whispered this to me. And I believe it is for our benefit that we hear what the Spirit of God intends to do in our lives. Hallelujah. You know, you, you know somebody may be watching here and would be thinking, you know, these people have been talking about prosperity you know, ever since this thing started we keep hearing prosperity this prosperity that uh, what's with all this prosperity thing it's not that we want to talk about prosperity it is because we are in alignment to the mind of God for the season God wants to make his people prosperous we are in the season of the exodus and there is no deliverance without manifestation of prosperity so in the mind of god this is what is supposed to happen before the 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 calendar of the world or the chapter of this world moves into the next phase God wants to ensure that his children are loaded for the future. That's the will of God. So we are talking about 
prosperity because it is the will of God. And we're not just talking about prosperity in terms of uh, a, a material uh, a blessing, but we're talking about the whole package. Talk about spirit, soul, and body. Health is prosperity. Wisdom is prosperity. So prosperity doesn't just cover the, the material aspect of it. Th that is just the consequence, the manifestations, the proof, the sign of the presence of Jesus. Remember he said that in your presence is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures. You see, prosperity is the pleasures that come from his presence. So we, we are not just preaching uh, what we feel is right. No, we are teaching what the kingdom wants to manifest in your lives. So I am, I am assured by the Spirit of God that this year is going to be a year of prosperity. God's people are being stationed this year in Goshen. Make, make no mistake about it. The Lord has already proven to us that this is going to be the year he said is going to be. Remember, he said in the prophetic word, he said, I will give you a sign that these things will come to pass. He says there will be a fire in the White House. And like I said to you, I said White House because I saw a White House burning. And we have already seen that, that in our very own country, the White House of South Africa burned down. Who would have thought that such a thing would happen? It is only when men begin to associate themselves to the will, to the plan, to the purpose of God, that the eyes of the Spirit is granted them to see and behold the future. And God said to us, that was going to be a sign. And he said one of the signs was going to be the sign of Moses. He says, watch for the signs of Moses. Just this past week, uh, just a few weeks ago, we, we saw an unprecedented event of locusts swarming. Millions and millions of locusts swarming across the province in the, in, in the Northern Cape or Eastern Cape. And that was a sign. So the Lord has already given us all the necessary signs for us to believe and also to prepare. So this CAP meeting is part of the tool that the Lord is using to help you prepare. We are a people of prophecy. Prophecy is what navigates our lives. The very Bible is called the prophetic scriptures. So the mind, the will, the plans, the counsels of God is revealed therein. Hallelujah. 
So that's why we, we are so focused on prosperity. You may disagree. I don't have anything for you. My responsibility, our responsibility is just to do what God instructed us to do. So if you agree, good for you, because the grace and the blessings of God will abound toward you. You know, he said, believe in the prophets and ye shall prosper. That means if you don't believe in the prophets, you will come to destruction. Solomon even said it. If you disregard the word, he that disregards the word shall come to ruins. So, we are in sincerity doing the work the Spirit of God has asked us to do for the sake of God's people. Hallelujah. So the road to prosperity, and as, as, as we go along in this teaching, I hope I can cover as much as I can today, but you will realize that there is a road into prosperity. You see, prosperity, spiritual and material prosperity, is not accidental. It's not something that just happens by accident or by luck. No. No. The things of the Spirit don't happen accidentally. They are made to happen. And this is one of the reasons why spiritual understanding is so important. It's so, imp it's so important for you and me to understand how God works, how God operates, how His power works, how His Spirit works. Otherwise, we, we, we'd always be found wanting. We'd always be found, you know, behind in, 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 in following, in operating in the power, in the presence, in the skill of the wisdom of God. Because that is due to the lack of understanding of spiritual reality. Is, is, is vital. So, when we talk about prosperity, you, a, a man doesn't just become prosperous. And here I'm talking about prosperity God's way. We can talk about how people in the world become prosperous and so forth. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about experience and encountering the prosperity that comes from God. God's way is not accidental. You see, as a child of God, it is your inheritance. You are an heir of the kingdom. But you can live your whole life, earth life, 
as a pauper, as a beggar, and never taste your inheritance. Why? Because God doesn't want you to? No. It's because many Christians think that these things, you know, they just take place by happenstance. It, it just happened. No. No. Things don't just happen. When it comes to the Lord, things don't just happen. Our physical lives are accelerated or deaccelerated by the spiritual activities that take place over our lives. And you require spiritual understanding to, to know and perceive how those dimensions operate. Praise the Lord. So this thing called prosperity, I, I explained uh, uh, some of the communications and the meanings of this word. But prosperity is not accidental. There is a path that can take you from where you are today into prosperity. There's a road paved out that can lead you right into prosperity, right into wealth. And it's what I want us to discuss today. But let me first start by making a statement that I believe would engage you tonight. It was impossible for Adam not to fall. I repeat, it was impossible for Adam not to fall. Adam was going to fall. It was impossible for Adam not to fall. There was no way Adam was going to keep the garden and the commandment of God. I have your attention, right? I got you thinking, right? But don't think just yet. Listen. Why do I say that? I say that based on scriptural evidence. Not an assumption, but literal scriptural evidence. You see, the prosperity or the success of the human being has always been linked to how effective he would be to follow the voice of God. Now, the voice of God is commanding in nature. God does not assume. The Lord never assumes. The Lord does not make suggestions. So the character of God's voice is always instructive. 
always. It is always instructive and commanding. So when I say that the success of a man has always been linked to how effective he follows through the voice of God, I'm actually referring to the commandments of God. So true prosperity can only take place in a man's life once he has been successful or effective in following through what was spoken to him. That means it was God's always intention that every man, every individual have the capacity to hear his voice. So God's mind, God's will, God's intention with his relationship to the human being was that the human being would always have capacity to hear his voice. Look at this. Adam, even in his fallen state, had the capacity to hear God. Cain, after he murdered Abel, had the capacity to hear God. Pharaoh could hear God. Uh, Nebuchadnezzar could hear God. So the notion that God only speaks to men who are right with him is erroneous and unscriptural. God speaks to all men. So this is also proven when Israel had gathered together before the Lord and they heard the voice of God. And it was only after they said, no, we don't want to hear him. Let him speak to you and you speak to us. God says, no, I will do this. So the reason why God established ministries like the prophetic and prophets was because his nation rejected his voice. Mm -hmm. So if Israel had accepted the voice of God, God would not have needed to speak to Moses alone in order for him to speak to the people. No, when God wanted to communicate, he'd gather the people and he'd speak from heaven. Because the Bible tells us that they heard him speak from heaven. So God speaks to man. The only reason why it is hard for Christians to hear God is because of something that Jesus mentions. I'll mention that later. So God had pre-planned or pre-ordained the success, prosperity of a man. And he tied it to what? Not only... I'm not talking about ability to hear him. I'm talking about the capacity to follow what you have heard. Because it's one thing to hear God. It's one thing to follow through. It's one thing to obey. So success comes, prosperity comes from obedience to the voice of God. And remember, that voice comes with what? Instructions. It is always instructive in nature and it is commanding. So if prosperity has not come into your life, one of the things where we must focus on is not really the external, but it is really the internal. 
Because if you are failing in life, it means there are areas in your life where you have not been obedient to God. Now you can say, but I have not heard God in that area. Well, it is not God's responsibility to make you hear him. It is your responsibility for you to hear him. God said to Elijah, I have commanded the woman to feed you. But when the man of God came to the woman and asked the woman to make him something first, the woman seemed not to have heard God because the woman said, no, all I have is for me and my son that we may die afterward. That means that the woman did not get the agenda. She did not get the memorandum from heaven, but it did not matter to God because according to God, in God's mind, the woman had been commanded and God sent the man strategically not only that he may benefit from the woman, but so that the woman can also benefit from the grace and the mantle upon the prophet of God. So that when the prophet eats, the sustaining power of the prophetic ministry can help the woman's flower and oil continue to rise. Hallelujah. Yet the woman did not receive the command. Yet God said to the man, I have commanded. So it is possible that God had given you commands, had set commands and instructions for you by which he has determined to prosper you and you not know and because of you not knowing, live out your life in the ignorance of what God has said, of what God has determined for your life and the parameters he has set for you and then you come to ruin and you come to destruction and fail and wonder, why have I failed? So every failure in life can be linked to disobedience to the commands and the instructions of the voice of the Lord. Jesus said it so perfectly to Satan. It is written, man shall not leave. So there are, there's more than one source to live by. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. So man was designed to be sustained by the commands of God. Man was designed to be sustained by the instructions he followed. Listen, a sheep doesn't know, my God, a sheep doesn't know where the pasture is. It is the responsibility of the shepherd. If the sheep wants to get the pasture, if the sheep wants food, it must do something. It must follow the, the guidance, the leading of the shepherd. Because without the shepherd, the sheep would be lost. So what the human being has done, and I believe this is through the deception of Satan, is that he, 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 he has become self-dependent instead of being a sheep and learning how to follow his voice. Because true prosperity comes from following. So why has it become the hardest thing for Christians to follow? 
is because Christians want to live independent lives from God. So failure is already predetermined in the life of an individual that has planned not to follow God. I said one day while I was teaching the people of God, I said that faith is living by the intelligence of God. That true wisdom is not inherent. True wisdom or the expression of wisdom that a man manifests, it is siphoned. It comes from God. Like Jesus, what Jesus said to, to that young man, he said, why do you call me good? There is only one good and that is God. That means all goodness flows from God. If you are good, it means that God has shed some of his goodness to you. It's not that you by yourself is good. So Adam was going to fail. Adam was going to fail. Adam was going to fail. And part of it is the reason why you may be failing. Hallelujah. So let's get into it. Deuteronomy chapter 29. You know, there's a word in the Bible that is always attached to God's commands, God's statutes, God's laws, God's charges. And that word is really the secret to prosperity. That word. It is really the secret to prosperity. However, that word is or the act that the word uh, communicates is almost impossible to achieve by the or a human being without God's help. So God has to help a man if the man is going to do that that particular word. And I'd like to show you, and I'd like for you to follow me as I endeavor to communicate this thing to you. Okay? Deuteronomy chapter 29, verse 9. 
Therefore, keep the words of this covenant and do them that you may prosper in all that you do. He says, keep and do the words of this covenant. He says, that you may prosper in all that you do. Keep. The word there is samar. The word means to guard. It means to protect. It means to be a watcher over something. In literal terms, it means to build a fence around a territory. So God is saying, guard, protect. Now this means if they were commanded to guard or protect or watch over these words, that means that those words were not safe. Because you don't guard something, you don't protect something that is vulnerable to thievery. So it looks like the words of this covenant were the treasures given to Israel that they may protect it. Remember, the Ark of the Covenant was built for one thing. It was really built for the tablets. It was really built for the tablets. There, there, there were three pieces there. It was the rod of Aaron, it was the, the, the manna, and also the tablets of stone. They were in the Ark. So according to God, the tablets were treasure. And they required to be kept. And there was a system of preservation. Nobody ever really saw after the tabernacle of Moses was built, the tablets. Because they were hidden in the ark. And the only persons that were allowed there were the high priest. So when, when words from the covenant came to the people, they were regarded by God as treasure that needed to be guarded against. This means that the words of God, the commands of God, the instructions of God in your life can be stolen. No word of God that ever comes to you is truly safe unless certain precautions are kept. I repeat, no word of God that ever comes to you is truly safe unless certain precautions are met. So, it is dangerous to receive God's word. 
because the receiver of God's word becomes a target. In the Greek, there are two words. It's philoso and terio. Terio is a strange one because terio refers to a, a military, a, 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 a military uh, a, a protection zone. And these two words are akin to this word samar. So terio really refers to becoming militant, being militant for the purpose of protecting treasure. So the man who receives God's word becomes a target. No, you're going overboard now, sir. You're going overboard. Well, in Christianity, we have a standard. That standard is Jesus. Any man can say anything. But unless it is substantiated and validated by Jesus, whatever a man says doesn't, doesn't mean anything. And well, I got news for you. What I just told you is validated by Jesus himself. Let's read it. Matthew chapter 13. Verse 1, on the same day went out, Jesus went out of the house and sat by the sea, and great multitudes he sat by the sea. Jesus loved the sea. <laughs> wow. <laughs> and great multitudes were gathered together to him, so that he got into a boat and sat down, and the whole multitude stood on the shore. What a teaching. Then... He spoke many things to them in parables, saying, Behold, a sower went out to sow. And he, as he sowed, verse 4, some seed fell by the wayside, and the birds came and devoured them. Let's listen to how Jesus explains this parable, because this, this is the only part I want to read for now. Let's look at verse number 18. Remember, the word was by the wayside. Verse 18. Therefore, hear the parable of the sower. When anyone, not Christians, when anyone, that means the preacher is not exempt. The prophet, the man of God, the servant is not exempted. He is part of this when anyone. You know, there are preachers who think that when they preach things and speak things, they are excluded. He says, when anyone. And let me tell you something. There are preachers who don't understand the word. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand, and does not understand. And does not understand. Then the wicked one comes 
and snatches away what was sown in his heart. This is who who receives seed by the wayside. So he said, there is always the wicked waiting to snatch the... And I want to say this. Satan, by virtue of the word coming into your life, is given automatic access into your heart to take that word which was intended to be planted in your heart, to take it and think about it. Why is he taking the word? Is he taking the word so that it may not yield results in your life? Yes. But when he takes the word, what, what actually happens? Remember, there is no vacuum. Every word that God releases must produce results. And Satan knows that the key to the advancement of his cause is that he needs the word of God. So what he does is that he waits for those who are unable to keep the word through a lack of understanding of what is coming to them. And because they don't understand, the enemy comes. When the enemy comes, what he does is that he snatches away that word and then he begins to use that word so he says keep some of the words of this covenant so once God's word comes to you you become a protector you are, you are made a protector you, you are made a protector you become the security guard and you have to create a security system to preserve and protect that word. So God's word is stealable and is snatchable. This explains why many lives are falling short of the image and the promises of God. He says, keep. Now, when you look at the epitomology of the word, the origins of the word, you will be shocked. You know, there's, there's what we call the law of first mention. That means you always define the word or the presence of a word by the first time that word was used. So you must always look at when it was used and how it was used when it was used for you to get the proper communication. Because as we move along in generations, what happens is that words become replaced by synonyms. And those synonyms sometimes do not communicate what is really a, a meaning to the word. For instance, if you look at the Greek, the word blessed means to be happy. Now, if you go by be happy, ha it doesn't really communicate what is, what is being said. So there's the law of first mention. That means always trace the word in the Bible to its first use. Are you following me? So Samar shows up somewhere. And guess where it shows up? Genesis chapter 2 verse 15. 
So I said that your prosperity is only uh, or only becomes a reality once you have successfully carried, kept, guarded the word. You know, uh, Pastor Raphael teaches about the the how 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 the word of God. Uh, from the time it is released to the time it's it's fulfilled, how how that process is exactly in alignment with the menstrual cycle of a woman. So that process of conception has to do with how well a man keeps. What is given. So if a man can't keep God's word, he cannot conceive, he'll abort. And if he does not abort, he will miscarry. Because there are no parameters, security systems set to protect. The successful conception and uh, birth of that word. So God said, keep, God, protect my word. So I said to you, it was impossible for Adam to keep the, word, the garden and to keep the command. Let me show you. Because God commanded him to keep and did not tell him how. God commanded Israel to keep, but he did not tell them how. Do you know that the only person in the Old Testament that was successful in Samar, in the keeping of the charges and the commandments of God was only one. That is linked, linked to this word Samar. Everywhere it is God saying keep, 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 keep. But you never really see the fruit of keeping. Adam was told to keep, but he was unsuccessful. So we never really know or see the full picture or the full import or the consequence of Samar. What would happen to a man who keeps the commands of God? Even though a man like Enoch would have kept God's command, we, we can't use him because the, 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 there, was, there was not much in his life to trace to Samar. Follow me. So, Genesis chapter 2, verse 15. Then the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden. God prospers a man by giving him something to do. <laughs> there is a law of God and among uh, men that God has said that a man will not prosper unless he is given something to do by God. 
Cain and Abel were, were, were both, one was a tiller of the ground, one was a, uh, a, a shepherd, right? God told them both what to do. The other one did what God said to do. The other one did not, but still expected God's approval. And God did not look upon his offering. Why? Because it did not meet the criteria. So he could not receive prosperity, the approval of God. He could not please God because he did not do what God said. So God prospers a man. If God is going to give you prosperity, if God is going to prosper you, you have to look at your life and what God gave you to do. If you don't have something from God that you were given to do, that means you are not ready to enter Eden. You are not ready to enter into the promises of God. Because you must be given, you must be proven if you're going to enjoy the fullness of God's blessing. So when God gets ready to prosper you, whether it is materially, spiritually, and destiny-wise, you must be given something to do. That's why Adam had a task. He had a job. God gave him something to do. Here, I'm not talking about your purpose in life. Adam's purpose was to rule, subdue, dominate. In the garden, God says, so that is different from his purpose. This is linked to him benefiting from Eden. So if he's going to benefit from what God had planted in Eden, he needed to do what God gave him to do. And surely enough, God gave him something to do. And he said to him, Then the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden to tend it, to abide, to serve, to become a servant in the garden. So, he put him there to serve the garden, to be in bondage, to be enslaved to the garden, right? To labor, to dress, right? And also to do what? To Samar. So the first time we see the use of the word Samar was in direct link to what God was giving his man to do. So, that means that the Garden of Eden was trespassable. So why did God bring Adam to the garden? He said it needed to be guarded. Remember, Adam was the primary keeper of the garden. After Adam fell, God put a cherub to guard the garden and the way into that same word is also Samar. That means that when Adam failed, God replaced Adam with a cherub. 
Why was God keeping the garden? Why did he want Adam to keep the garden, to guard it, to protect it? Against what? Against an invasion. So there was threat of an invasion in Eden. In the same way that there's always a threat in your life when the word of promise is given to you. The threat is that if you don't understand, if you don't protect, if you don't keep, that word will be snatched away. So Adam stood a chance of losing his inheritance. The fact that God put that word keep there meant that Adam's inheritance was vulnerable. It was not a guaranteed thing that Adam would sustain and be effective in keeping the instruction of command that the Lord had given him. Because the Bible says, and the Lord God commanded the man. He commanded the man. He commanded the man. And then he says the consequence of failing. He says, for in the day you eat. Notice, he, God didn't say if you eat. God didn't say in, in, no, he says because in the day you eat of it, you shall surely die. That means the possibility, the probability of Adam eating was always there. And we know he couldn't guard it. He couldn't summar the command. He couldn't summar the garden. And what's interesting, if you read uh, 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 after God drove the man out, and, and when he put the cherub in, in the east side of Eden, what is interesting that he's... He's not saying that now he must he, the, the cherub was there to guard the garden. No, he was saying was put east of the garden of Eden and to guard the way to the tree of life. So the serpent entered the garden. Why? Because God could stop him? No. God was not the keeper of the garden. Adam was. So if the serpent was trespassing. Whose responsibility was it? It was Adam's. And Adam failed. Adam failed. He could not keep the commands. Keeping God's commands is directly proportional to your experience of prosperity in life. The less of his instructions and commands you obey, the less of prosperity you will experience. Remember, Eden was Adam's prosperity. But he could not be successful in keeping to it. So I said to you, there is a man in the Bible that Samad 
instruction and reaped the fruits of it. See, this thing, child of God, is a very how can I say it? It's a very straightforward methodology of God. Jesus one day, I'll read you about the other man, but let me tell you about this one. In fact, in 2 Timothy chapter 2, Peter said, keep what was committed to you by the Holy Ghost. He said, keep it by the Holy Ghost. Protect it, guard it by the Holy Ghost. How do you keep what is committed to you by the Holy Ghost? How do you keep it? Many people will say you must fast and you must pray hard. That's how you, you protect what God has given. Oh well. Was Adam to pray to keep the garden? Was he to pray? This was a very practical word. And I said to you, what indicates to us that Adam was going to fail was that God told him to do the keeping without telling him how. Without telling him whether he needed a gun, he needed a sword. How the, the, the cherub kept the garden by the flaming sword. Now how was Adam to keep the garden? Was he to swing a flaming sword? So he says to the, uh, the rich, the Bible calls him the rich young ruler. He comes to Jesus and he says to him, Master, what shall I do to have eternal life? And Jesus tells him, Thou shalt keep the commandments. Then he tells him, Thou shalt not do this, thou shalt not do this. And then then the, the, the young man says something strange. He said, Lord, these I have kept from my youth. These I have kept philoso. The Hebrew equivalent, I mean the Greek equivalent of Samar. These I have kept. So you can see how he became a ruler. You can see how he became rich. And the Bible says, and Jesus loved him. So the boy was very rich. Because afterward, Jesus made a statement concerning the rich. In connection to this boy. But he, because he had kept the commands from a young age, he became a ruler at a young age. And he became what? Very rich at a young age. So God's voice had become his prosperity. He had kept them. He had kept them. So you can see that the keeping of the commandments of God produces prosperity in a life. Remember, he said, keep and do. 
Let me show you something. Hallelujah. 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 <laughs> Verse 20, chapter 26, Genesis. Verse 2. See, this explains why God keeps his promises to some people, but in other people, his promises are not kept. There are people who never seem to receive from God. But you look at them. They look like they are the most committed people in Christianity. They do the praying, they do the fasting, they do the church attending, the giving and all these things. But they never seem to receive promises from God. Because no amount of prayer... No amount of fasting or any other spiritual activity can substitute for the keeping of his commands. You can pray until you turn blue. But if that prayer life is done in substitution to keeping specific commandments, specific instructions. Child of God, your prayers are wasting time. That activity you are doing is wasting time. It's like Adam, having eaten the after having eaten the fruit, God said not to eat. Come to God and say, oh God Almighty, oh God, look at me, look at me, look how I humble myself. Oh no, you dead. Because he said the day you eat, there's no room for repentance. The day you eat, you die. Many of God's people are like Esau. They sell their birthright because they want, they want, they want soup. They want game. And then only after to realize when that game uh, or that game that they, 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 they fed on did not suffice, did not fulfill them, then they're like, oh, maybe the promises of God now, oh, you're, you're too late, you're too late. Not even your tears can buy back that birthright. You got to keep. He did not protect his birthright. He sold it for gain. Some of God's people are selling the word, are selling the promise for fear, selling the promise for their boyfriends, selling the promise for their girlfriends, selling the promise for their job. They are selling the promise. One day, one day, when they've realized that that boyfriend, that job is not sufficient, is not fulfilling, they will want to come back to God and say, oh God, you promised me it's too late, baby. It's too late, girl. It's too late, boy. You ain't going to get nothing from God. You could not protect, you could not guard what God gave you. 
Now when you have tried everything, when you have homemangered, when you have sold yourself as a prostitute to your job, to men, to systems, you want to come back and say, oh God, oh God. No, 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 no. Your tears will not be regarded. When are you to keep the word when it comes? When are you to create the parameters? When are you to create the hedge around the word when it comes? Not after. Some of you want to build hedges after five years you receive the word. After, some of you want to be serious about keeping the word, about understanding the word of promise. After two years that word has been given. That means that the keeping or not keeping of the word can accelerate or delay manifestation. Genesis chapter 26. There was a famine in the land. Malidra, Saibo, Nokombre, Veremembri, Hila, Klantron, Stadaila. Those who are going to make it in this season, in this chapter of the end of the age are those who will learn how to appreciate, how to value, how to highly esteem the word of the Lord and keep it with all of their lives. There was a famine in the land. There was a famine in the land. Child of God, there's a famine, a global famine coming. There's a global famine that is coming upon the nations of the world. From this year, there will be catastrophic events, economic catastrophic events that will be taking place in the nations of the world. Even in this nation you call South Africa, even in the nation that you are watching me from, this is going to happen. There was a famine in the land. There will be a famine in the land. Besides, the first famine that was in the days of Abraham and Isaac went, oh God, oh God, and Isaac went to Abimelech, the king of the Philistines, in Gerar. Then the Lord appeared to him and said, Do not go down to Egypt. Live in the land of which I tell you. Dwell in this land, and I will be with you and bless you. For to you and your descendants I will give all these lands. One of the things God said to me this year is that, Many of God's people will own property. They will own property. It's strange because some of these things we are reading now, but the Spirit of God has said them before. And how, how they align perfectly with what God said. In the time of famine, God promised Isaac lands. He said, I will give you all these lands, and I will perform the oath which I saw to your father Abraham. And I will make your descendants multiply as the stars of heaven, and I will give to your descendants all these lands. And in your seed, all the nations of the earth shall be blessed. Listen to verse 5. Because, because, 
God was now bound to fulfill the oath he promised to Isaac's father. He had died many years by now, and God still remembers this oath. It is still ingrained in his mind that I must fulfill what I promised Adam, because Abraham, because Abraham obeyed my voice and kept my charge, my commandments, my statutes, and my laws. Now we begin to realize why Abraham was blessed beyond measure, why Abraham was blessed in all things, and why God sought to carry out that manifestation throughout the seed, the genealogy, the posterity of Abraham, because Abraham obeyed my voice and kept my charge, my commandments, my statutes and my laws. Abraham Samad. Abraham Samad. The charges of God. The commandments of God. He guarded the commandments of God with his life. He kept them. He protected them. What are you doing? We live in a generation when men hear God speak. It is like it enters one ear, goes up the next. No consideration. Jesus said, the one who does not consider my word. He said, the enemy comes. That word what we read, where he said he does not understand. The word means to consider. To consider. He says, he says, where, he, says he receives the word but does not consider it. Says the enemy comes and he snatches it. So he says, to to protect, to keep, to guard the word has to do with the operation, the faculty of the soul, the faculty of the mind. He says, giving consideration to the word, understanding the word, will help you from it being snatched. So what does that mean? Why did Adam fall? Why couldn't Adam keep the command? He did not consider it. He did not consider the command. He did not give the command consideration. You hear it by what Eve says in the presence of Adam. He doesn't even slap Eve's mouth. When the serpent said, did God really say you shall not eat? Eve, Eve said, yeah, yeah, God said so. God said we shall not eat. He said we mustn't even touch or look at the tree. God never said look. So there was no consideration. There was no detail. So he did not take the time to consider the commandment. So even when he speak, spoke to Eve, it was a puzzle. Hey, we don't look at the tree. We don't touch the tree. Yet the Bible says that these trees were pleasant to the eyes. Pleasant to the eyes for food. So they were attractive. And God knew they were attractive. So God never said don't look. God said don't eat. And where is Adam by that time? The Bible says she gave her husband or the man to eat. Adam who was with her. So all this conversation is happening. Adam is with Eve.
he did not understand the commandment. He did not consider it. But there was Abraham who kept my charge, my commandments, my statutes, and my laws. Well, I've run out of time. We'll continue part two tomorrow. I trust that you have been blessed. And may God's spirit help you and give you understanding of the word which has come to you. We will see you tomorrow night. God bless you. I love you.